Welcome to the PCS to Corporate America podcast from Cameron Brooks. Our mission here at Cameron Brooks is to help educate junior military officers about their transition options and to inspire veterans to transform their lives and their careers. Hey, welcome back, everyone. Glad uh, glad to do another edition of the Cameron Brooks podcast. On this episode, we're, uh, I've invited Wyatt Boyd to join our podcast and share his story specifically about Skillbridge and a little bit about his experience with Skillbridge. So, Wyatt, welcome to the program. Yeah, Pete, thanks for having me on. Um, a little bit about myself. So, I'm a West Point graduate, class of 2018, uh, commissioned in the field artillery. Uh, I was stationed at Fort Riley with the 1st Infantry Division over there. We deployed to South Korea during COVID, um, came back, transitioned over to Fort Jackson, was with the 120th AG Battalion Reception uh, for the last year or so of my commission. I served five years before transitioning out um, through Cameron Brooks uh, in March, April of uh, 2023. Yeah, yeah. So you and I actually met. I, I have the advantage of having all of our conversations captured in notes. So you and I actually right. met on July 8th uh for a phone call about uh exploring a partnership with camera brooks and so just for the listeners especially those that uh are maybe a little bit new to our program or new to the podcast like what were you cons- when you were looking at a partnership with camera brooks what were you considering why did you ultimately make the choice you did in forming a partnership with us yeah so I knew when I went to Fort Jackson that I was going to transition out of the military. And I started to do a pretty early career search uh, on my own before actually being reached out by Amber through LinkedIn, um, where I even found out about recruiting firms. Mm. Uh, Once I, and I was approached by several recruiting firms, uh, kind of in rapid succession there um, in 2022. And I started to look a little more into them. Uh, When I got Amber's message, I looked up Cameron Brooks and saw they specialize in junior military officers as compared to some of these other recruiting firms. And I realized uh, this is a very prestigious recruiting firm that will curtail my career search to, you know, similar um, compatriots as myself. Uh, And you have a lot of experience with junior military officers specifically. And that's when, you know, I met you. um, We had some conversations and realized we had a pretty similar background to each other. Yeah, that's right. We 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 both graduated from the same school. We both and I remember that conversation because same school, um, we um, uh, same uh, field artillery officer, field artillery officer. And I'm not going to tell the listeners, but practically the same GPA as well. So you and I, <laughs> you and I actually have a lot in common. Um, right. Okay. So you know when I talk to officers nowadays, and I do want to hear a little bit about your career conference. Um. When I talk to officers nowadays, like every officer that I talk to for the first time, just like our conversation back in July of 22, and I don't remember if we talked about this or not, but every officer I talk to now is wants to know about SkillBridge, or they have seen friends do SkillBridge, or you know they've done their research, and some of them know that Cameron Brooks is an approved SkillBridge provider through the DOD. Some don't know that. Um, but regardless, when you, when we met, were you thinking about Skillbridge too, or where was that on your radar? I mean, that was a year and a half ago. Where was that on your radar? Yeah. So I have had friends that had transitioned out of military prior. Um, a few of them have taken that CSP opportunity, but for the most part, they already had, uh, I'll say a connection with the company 
uh, either through family or friends. So when they did a career, um, a CSP, they went through that company and it was a custom CSP. It, it took a lot of levels of approval to get in order for that to, to happen. Uh, when I first met you, I didn't understand that the Kim and Brooks CSP was actually approved. Um, I think through our conversation and a little bit of research afterwards, I saw that opportunity there. I was very excited to be a part of a CSP because I heard fairly good things about obviously those uh, specific experiences. Uh, and I was excited that Kim and Brooks offered one. One of the things for the listeners, one of the things um, why it said CSP, I'm saying Skillbridge, and and I'm really using this those two as interchangeable. They're actually slightly different. Skillbridge is a DoD program. The CSP is the Career Skills program that the Army specifically holds. Um, but they're they are different, but they're <clears throat> the approval process is very similar. So, so for all intents and purposes, for this conversation and for our, this podcast, we're just going to use those two terms interchangeably, and they'll be synonymous: Gilbridge CSP. So, I don't, you don't have to give me names or anything, but how did it work out for those people? The people that you know knew or know that did their own CSP, whether they crafted it themselves or working with a Gilbridge provider or CSP provider. Um, how, what happened to them? Did they go find jobs or are they working there now? Any idea about that? Have you followed up or, or do you still talk to any of those people? Yeah, I, I still talk to a few uh, individuals that transition out. And I'd say it's a mixed bag of experiences um, prior to work with Kim and Brooks and their CSP program. I really thought that CSP equals an internship with a company. Uh, and then at the end of that experience, you either get a job or you don't, uh, i.e. you either you know, spent all that time invested in learning a specific company uh, and either, you know, got the job there or you try to utilize that experience and use it elsewhere. A few of them were successful. Like I said, they already had connections with companies. So it was really more of an opportunity for them to get away, see their family and start their career progress within that company. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's an interesting point. And, you know, before I hit the record button for those listening, Wadnet uh, White and I talked a little bit about a lot of the lately, because everyone, it seems, every military officer knows about CSP either through their transition office or their friends are doing it or whatever it might be. And and I think why your phrase or your term mixed bag is right. Um, I, I think in the early days, funny thing, CS, uh, Skillbridge, and, and I don't know how long CSP, but Skillbridge has been around for over a decade, but it's really gained a lot of traction here over the last couple of years. Um it really just, uh, it, it, but it really started to take off. And so I, I too think when I first heard about it, it you know, I automatically thought that um, the CSP or the Skillbridge was, was synonymous with an internship. That is, you know, go to work at a company, work for free. You're still getting paid by the military, whatever your service is, until such time as you start terminal leave or separate from the military. And then, the expectation, and, and I don't know if this is a realized expectation or not, the expectation is hopefully I can get a job from this company. And, I, you know, now that this thing's gone on for a while, you know, sometimes that definitely does occur. But I've also uh, talked to many officers where they didn't get a job or the job they were offered wasn't the one they thought they were going to get. It was a little bit of a little bit or sometimes a lot of bit of a step down. And so they find themselves kind of very near the end of the, oh, crap, I'm getting out of the military. And I got nothing to show for it. We're a skill bridge provider because 
we actually meet the criteria of being a skill bridge. Skill bridge, you don't have to do a quote internship as Wyatt and I are describing it. You can get into a skills program to prepare to interview or build your job skills in order to launch your career, which is exactly what Wyatt did. So why, why don't you share with us, you were in the Cameron Brooks CSP slash SkillBridge program. First of all, how long were you in the program before before you came to the conference? And then how long were you in the program um, for the entirety of the thing? And then I'll, I'll try to describe to the group what that actually, you know, what the timing looks like. How long were you in it before the conference? Yeah. So uh, the the total time on CSP was 90 days. Uh, okay. It was the end of November to the middle to end of February. Uh, the conference was at the very end of January to the beginning mm -hmm. of February. Mm -hmm. uh, so it was roughly 60 days or so before the conference. And then I had the 30 days afterwards for the follow-up interview process. Which is perfect because if for those listening, if you're interested in Camera Brooks and interested in the CSP or SkillBridge, being on SkillBridge during the, not only the conference, which is very beneficial, uh, but also for the follow-up interview process to have ultimate freedom to get on a plane or jump on a call, you know, at a moment's notice, not quite at a moment's notice. And maybe why you could share with us a little bit about your follow-up process, but, but just having that conference and follow-up interview process of an unfettered calendar really allows you the flexibility to do that. So let's let's talk about your specific situation then. How'd you do it? So let's go, let's start with the first 60 days. So you're, you know, 60 days out from the January conference. It's, you know, mid-ish November, whatever that date is. Um, and and tell us about it. Describe it. You know, you stopped going to the office and just tell us what that means and what it, how'd it work out for you? Yeah, I definitely say the the first thing about the the CSP that I really remember is uh, the freedom to be able to utilize my time management, which was just fantastic. Took a lot of stress off. I didn't have to worry about, you know, meeting time hacks, uh, doing different projects for a battalion commander. I'm, I was able to focus myself on my transition. So uh, I get to sleep in if I wanted to, work out in the morning. Uh, but each day, obviously, tackle some some different tasks. So the first of which... Obviously, Cameron Brooks has their required reading list, so I was able to finish up the books that I hadn't read previously. I worked on the DPP, um, the Development and Pre Preparation Program, uh, the five different chapters within that. Uh, I also was meeting with my team pretty regularly near the end before the conference as well. Uh, we met roughly once a day, once we were at in January. And some of the other people within my team as well were also uh, in the SkillBridge program, so we had a little bit of time to meet throughout the day as well as in the afternoon. And the last thing was also outside of just Cameron Brooks, was able to do some VA appointments uh, and really look at my holistic approach with my transition out of the military. So I'd like to pull on a couple of those threads because you said a lot there that I think should be very helpful. So let's start with this concept of meeting with my team. Of course, you're referring to the, your study group, other Cameron Brooks um, candidates who were preparing for the January conference. First off, who was who was in your study group or who was on your team? Not not who, eh, how many were in your study group? Right. So total, there was five of us, but who re met regularly was about four of us, including myself. Were they all Army or did you mix it up with other services? I have found that that has been uh, beneficial. What was your composition? Yeah, we had one Marine, one Navy, and then another officer, uh, Army officer, and myself. 
Oh, that's fantastic. I, I do try to encourage that as much as I can. Did you find advantage in, you know, talking to someone in the Navy or someone in the Marine Corps, just someone not in the Army, I guess? Yes, absolutely. It was really good when doing interview prep. Uh, we went through a lot of our questions initially, just specific questions before we started to rehearse as if we were applying for a specific position. So I kind of, all of us together got to see our own developments and we got to understand each other in our backgrounds. Uh, it was very refreshing to, to see different experiences within the military. We got to learn a little bit more about what the Navy and Marines have to offer. Mm -hmm. to them. And the other thing I wonder is, in, in, you know, because when you, when the army, when an army officer talking to another army officer, and if you and I were to share stories from our time, you would use language and verbiage and colloquialisms that like, I know exactly what you're saying. Cause we're both RV field artillery, former army field artillery officers. Uh, what's funny is we were both, you're a med device sales rep. I'm a former med device sales rep. So we did, I guess you're going to come work at camera Brooks at some point in your life, but that, I guess that remains to be seen. We'll have to, uh, but, uh, but I mean, I just think it's advantageous and maybe you can weigh out on this. Like, you know, when I was in the army, I didn't know what a Navy surface warfare officer is, or I didn't really think about a Marine Corps ground intelligence. Like, you know, those services just use different language in some ways to my own experience. What was it like for your, for your group? Yes, that was obviously something that uh, Cameron Brooks really harped on is being able to translate our military experience to someone who doesn't speak that language. So even within the different military branches, we use that language, like you're saying, uh, and it doesn't match one-on-one. -on -one. So using terms or uh, colloquialisms confused us, and we were able to overcome that language barrier, yeah. essentially break that down. So without uh, adding too much time within the interview, because you don't want to start rambling uh, during the interview right. to explain something. So we were able to curtail our experience uh and translate that language so then you can understand it yeah that's really good talk about talk about the reading list well hold on let, let's do study group for, for just one more moment so you you guys were meeting you know week a few weeks before the conference you basically said you're meeting every day or just about every day you know you, you don't really have anything to compare it to you only just can think about your own experience but can you speak to you know, the advantage you, I mean, you obviously had an advantage Why you came to the conference and, you know, you had a bunch of interviews. I got it pulled up right here. Let me see if I can grab this. Yeah. You came to the conference, you had 10 interviews. You got just about all of them to pursue you with vigor. They were all for the most part, very interested in you. So you did extremely well at your career conference. Uh, I have to believe <laughs> And if it's not true, it just make me feel good about myself. I have to believe that that study group in some ways really allowed you to find some, some of that success. Can you describe the advantage of being in a study group? Yes. I think when people are prepping for that conference, what they do is they obviously go over their questions. They try to rehearse that to themselves, say it out loud. But I think meeting with other individuals, and talking and going through not just questions, but actual interview prep using interview prep worksheets and pretending mm -hmm. like we're actually applying, or I shouldn't say pretending, but rehearsing as if we're applying for the positions we're actually going to try to go for uh, with those companies really allowed us to not just have, you know, an answer to a question, but being able to cur curtail that answer 
specifically for that job and treat each interview like it's your only opportunity. You don't want to say, you don't want to be wishy-washy on a sales interview. Uh, you want to be very direct uh, and be very confident in yourself as you're presenting yourself for a sales position uh, versus maybe finance. You want to be a little more technical, a little bit more mm. uh, with that technical background. So being able to change your answers and understand and know it well enough to do it fluently and not, or fluidly and not do it uh, sounding rehearsed or can't. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, when we just wrapped up our January conference yesterday for 2024, so you came to the 2023, January 23 conference. So you've officially, it's been officially a year since your conference as of, as of yesterday. Um, and so it's very fresh on my mind and, 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 you know, it's, it was, it's almost a maxim, you know, def preparation renders good results at a conference and there were a couple of unfortunately there was a couple of kids at this most recent conference that you know came to us late didn't what weren't as prepared and and it was obvious another thing that you said to me you know just kind of in the same vein of preparation is you were able to take the the time that you had on Skillbridge and finish the reading program and for those that aren't aware Cameron Brooks has a Required reading book, uh, reading list, 10 books on a required reading list. We also have a recommended list, but our required list covers everything from finance to project management to Lean Six Sigma to data analytics to business to business sales and operational excellence and team leadership and general business. It's a very, some people have called it a micro MBA or mini MBA because it really does cover a lot of different things that you would you would get and why you have your MBA so you you can validate this and just covers a lot of points and so i think i think in my opinion having done this for more than a decade now i think people think that the reading list is a nice to have oh if i do the reading list it's going to somehow like oh okay that's good now i know a little bit more but in my opinion and and challenge me here Wyatt, if you think this is not true or or I'd let, let me just, just, just weigh in on this. I feel like the reading list is as important, if not more, than the study group and interview answering and having your answers down. Because I think what I've, what I've finally begun to realize is I think that the reading list actually instructs you to understand why people are asking you certain questions. Not everyone understands what the question means, right? It's English. We all understand English. But to really understand why someone is asking the question, right? I'm an army officer. I'm a field artillery officer. I'm interviewing for a business and an industry and a corporation that I don't, I'm before a week ago, I'd never even heard of before. Like the reading list allows you to really capture, oh, I actually think I know why you're asking me this question. Can you weigh in on that? Yes, uh, I agree with you 100%. Uh, Pete, that it's very important. And I think to kind of add to your points there, I agree with everything you're saying. It also teaches you a little bit of the language mm -hmm. of the career field you're going into. So I know the folks at Camera Books do a, a fantastic job at really prepping those interviewers and ourselves uh, to come to understanding, um, to be able to make that link for us. But when we go into an interview, they, they don't know necessarily about our experiences. And it is refreshing when we start using the same language vocabulary that they're using to mm -hmm. understand we can transition from our experience and how that can benefit their company. And the, mm -hmm. the reading list, 
I think does a really good job at teaching you that language and even framing your thoughts like mm -hmm. we were saying with those questions, you know, why are they asking the question? You can now articulate and frame your answers to more accurately answer those questions. I think that's exactly right, man. I, I, I do think to some degree there is a correlation between people who treat the reading list as a, as we treat it in terms of level of importance, the people that treat it as important or as important as interview prep, I just think those people find more success at the career conference. And one of the things it did for me, I came through the Camera Brooks program. I think you know this. I'm sure we've talked about it. I came to the Camera Brooks. I came to a conference in January of uh, 2003, right? So 20 years before you. I didn't thought about that, but now I, I just aged myself, painfully aged myself. Regardless, like I read all the books on the reading program and that actually set for me in motion, you know, before I came, before I came to Cameron Brooks, I graduated college. I really wasn't doing much reading. Now I'm always reading something. Sometimes it's not a business book. Sometimes it's a self-help. Sometimes it's a novel. Sometimes I'm listening to something. But I've always got something or usually a couple things going at once. I mean, that really set for me a lifetime of learning and, and reading. Have you, are you, what are you up to right now on that front? Yeah, so reading is very important. Uh, if you're going to be in corporate, you have to understand and keep up with trends. What uh, my position uh, within Abbey Med, medical device sales, is to really be able to dive into some of the newer studies and keep up to date so that I can speak the same language as the physicians. Mm -hmm. If you're not relevant, if you're not adding anything, when you go into, I, I call them accounts, but when you go into the hospitals and have a discussion, you need to be a value-added member. And if you're not keeping up to date, with trends, with research, you're not adding that value. Tell us a little bit about your company and then let, let us understand a little bit more about your job. I know that that's always one of the advantages to doing this podcast. Certainly one of the reasons we started this podcast I find at least five years ago now was we, we just wanted to hear alumni get on the call and tell their story and who do they work for and what do they do and why did they choose that company? So would, would you mind telling us a little bit about Abiumed? Yeah, so Abiumed, it's a medical device company. Uh, we were acquired by J&J, &J, uh, their med tech division, back in 2022. So they were recently acquired when I joined with Abiumed. Uh, what they do is they create temporary uh, implantable mechanical circulatory support devices. And what it is, it's a heart pump that goes into the left ventricle within the heart. Um, and provide support for patients, typically in cardiogenic shock or in a high-risk PCI setting. Would you say high? I'm sorry, high-risk what? Uh, high-risk percutaneous coronary intervention. Okay, uh, so and what does that mean? Like, like for the lady, right. like for myself. <laughs> so your heart provides oxygenated blood throughout your body. It also no. provides oxygenated blood to itself, and it does that through a system called the coronary artery. So that's the heart feeding itself so they, it's allowed to beat. Uh, mm. Patients, as you get older in age, depending on your diet, your lifestyle, uh, you'll start to develop coronary artery disease or buildup of fatty proteins or other things that block up your arteries, your coronary arteries. Uh, and so over time, that blockage can become more severe to the point where it's causing distal flow or blood going past that that build up uh, makes it difficult. And that in turn affects your heart and its ability to pee. 
Okay. The high risk TPI setting is <laughs> it's an elective procedure that you intervene on that before it's causing, or you you clear it out with a, a stenting in a balloon before it becomes an issue, and you go into perigenic shock. Gotcha. Um, <laughs> we don't have to go further down that road. I think yeah. I, I don't want to repeat <laughs> myself, and but but I just think yes. it's amazing, <laughs> and I hope everyone really appreciates what Wyatt just said and did. You may not fully understand it. I know I don't fully understand it, but but the neatest thing about that is I knew this guy one year ago pretty well. We were talking, maybe not on a daily basis, but we were talking a lot. And if I would have said what's a PCI, he would have looked at me like I was crazy. Now you 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 know a lot, maybe as much as a lot of the people you're talking to and your customers and your accounts. And I just love that about like this uh, this opportunity to explore options and find the best amongst many, and then really go out and excel. Just like when you're an artillery, you know, when you graduated from West Point. You know, you probably didn't could, probably didn't know offhand the difference between an FSO and an FDO, but you know, a year or two into the job, you could probably speak deeply about both of them. And now, one year out, you're just you're just all over it. And it's uh, I think it's one of the favorite, one of the most favorite things I enjoy about working at Camera Brooks is just watching people thrive and be successful. Now, my question now I have another question for you. So I'm looking at your list of companies, and we're not I'm not going to rattle them all off here. But man, you interviewed at your conference with sales, with business development, with general management and team leadership, with business analysis, finance, um, Six Sigma, field-based GM, a couple of field-based GM roles. I mean, you had you had a you did a broad career search, and I don't have what your top group ultimately was, but how did you? And again, most of these companies said yes to you from the conference. So you, you didn't do a follow-up interview with 10 companies. How did you create, no, no. What criteria did you use to figure out what your top group, right? The companies you were going to follow up with. Um, what criteria did you use to whittle that list down? Right. I, for myself, I talked to my wife extensively throughout the conference. I really made sure that she was involved with my career search uh, and something that through my development with Karen Brooks as well, um, having that open communication was that it is a career search, it's not just a job search. So when looking at these companies, one of the things that really stands out to me is the culture of that company, as well as the route for growth or progression within it, having a clear mm -hmm. defined path of progression into more leadership roles, uh, in the company and having that established. Some of the interviews didn't have that clarity or weren't able to articulate it. And so they felt further down my list than those that were able to articulate that. Gotcha. I think that's so important, Wyatt. And I, I want to get your take on this because a lot of times when I'm talking to an officer, I bet when you and I first chatted, I know when I first talked to Roger Cameron, I was talking about like, I want to go into this industry or this type of job, but you didn't say any, just now when I said, how'd you call your list down? You didn't say anything about industry or company or job. You were talking about culture and career progression. And I say those those are two of my three C's, culture, chemistry, and career progression. In my time at Camera Brooks watching now thousands of officers do this, that is what I see. And those are the criteria that I typically see. And for the listener, I didn't tell Wyatt to say those things. 
he just said them because that was his experience. And so it's interesting. Like, do you ever remember before the conference talking with me about, hey, I want to go into this or I'm interested in that? Do you remember any of that? Yes, I do. And it's it's funny you bring this up. Uh, initially, through Kevin Brooks, I thought I was pretty set on what I wanted to do. I wanted to be in, you know, somewhere in business management, uh, preferably operations manager. And I wanted to live, you know, in a specific area, um, North Carolina, South Carolina, somewhere in there. Um, opened up my eyes a little bit more, especially P with your background, being very similar, being in sales. Initially, I heard sales and immediately did, was turned off. I don't want to do sales. You know, I, I don't want to go to the door and, and sell items. And that's not what sales uh, and it, it definitely took some discussion with my wife it took a little bit of uh, understanding you know who I am and and what I hold valuable to really see myself in any of those careers that we we discussed that I interviewed for I see myself you know excelling in any of those and really uh sales which wasn't on my list whatsoever by the time the conference rolled around and it, it held a little bit higher regard I took it seriously and then mm -hmm. the follow-up process I actually had a uh, three different sales position in my top five which took me by surprise right i'm um, ultimately fine abby med which is a medical device sales company right. uh, now where i'm a medical device salesman tell us a little bit about it because a lot of people think this maybe we'll land the plane with this one i don't want to keep you all day here a lot of people think that going into sales is a dead end because oh my gosh if i go into sales then i'm just going to be in sales for the rest of my life and 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 let me tell you as a former sales person myself like that's not the worst thing in the world. I knew I worked alongside men and women who had, were career sales reps and they made a boatload of money and they had incredible amounts of job satisfaction and autonomy. And they really didn't want to be future leaders in the organization. I know for you, Wyatt, you bit out doing the, doing your thing now for a year. Like where, tell us a little bit about, you know, possibilities and future future growth and opportunity at your company. Right. I'm going to back up just a little bit real quick and, and kind of go into, again, this is a career search. It's not a job search. So that's mm -hmm. definitely one of the things you should keep in mind when going to the conference. It isn't the job in front of you immediately. Obviously, it's in sales position, but you have to look at the growth within the company. Uh, I am lucky and blessed to have been with Abby Med now. Uh, they have this, it's called a, a CLA program or a Commercial Leadership Associate Program where you start in sales, uh, which takes about a year or so to be developed up. Um, I have, I'm blessed to have a lot of mentors that are salesmen and have been salesmen for years and years, be able to understand, you know, their perspectives, I uh, get their insight. But ultimately I, I'm not seeing myself staying within the sales role and there's plenty of opportunities to branch out because they are expecting as a junior military officer, you have leadership experience and you mm -hmm. really want to rely on that military experience to be able to add that value to the company. They don't see you as a salesman to stay as a salesman, but to grow as a leader within the company, that could be within the sales division where you could rise up and, and manage more sales teams and more sales teams, or you could go over to corporate and do any of the other careers that we were discussing. You know, you could be in operations, distribution, any type of management position because you're relying on your leadership experience that we had in the military. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. In my career, even in my career, I took I, every every promotion that I took, I actually was considering multiple paths when I chose the one I chose and then pursued that. So that's that's the fun thing about it. And the one thing I think about sales and this this podcast was really to talk a little bit more about 
skill bridge than sales. But one thing I do want to say about sales is I always think that sales is one of the best places to start your business career because just think about what you're doing, why you're you're literally in front of the customer just about every day. And so you're representing Abiomed where the rubber meets the road, like because you're saying things to the customer and they're saying things back to you. Obviously, you've been doing this for a year. You're going to probably do it for another couple of years or so. Man, when you finish this part of your time at Abiomed and in sales and, you know, in front of the customer every single day, the level, I mean, you have, obviously you have credibility now, just obvious and based on the, what you were saying, you, you know, kind of describing your product and the condition of the heart and all that. But man, three, four, five years ago, the level of credibility you'll have, like, look, I've been shoulder to shoulder with these doctors for four, three, four, five years. Let me tell you what it's like out here. You just, you just get a lot of like instant credibility because of the work you're doing now and the time you're putting in in front of the customer. It's very valuable. Yes, absolutely, Pete. This is, I'm again, I, I could say I'm blessed to have this opportunity, but I was going to use the exact terminology you use. Being in a sales position is really where rubber meets the road. You're being able to mm -hmm. understand the device as well as the company as a whole, articulate that to the customers and understand their role. Uh, I know more about medical devices now than I did previously, but also know more about medicine now than I did previously, mm -hmm. uh, which is very useful skill to have when you're in a medical device company. And that's applicable to any position you go to where you're able to understand more, uh, you know, within the sales position, you're able to send both your company as well as the customer. Uh, gives you two different perspectives. You know, Wyatt, I really appreciate you carving out a half hour or so with us today. It's so good to, I mean, you, had, you and I have really chatted since, since you finished the conference and made your choice and made your move and all of that. So it's good to hear your voice. I'm, I'm really uh, encouraged by what you're up to and the momentum you have. Again, thanks for coming on and sharing your story about SkillBridge and about Abiumet. And uh, I will follow you. And please, of course, call me if ever I can help, but I'll follow you and continue to watch your career grow through the year. So again, thanks for your time today. Yeah, Pete, thank you so much. To everyone else at Cameron Brooks, yeah, thank you for the opportunity. And anyone listening as well, Please feel free to reach out to me if you ever have any questions or want to hear a little more about my experience. Um, all of us alumni, um, you know, we're very thankful for Cameron Brooks and everything that they do. And we would love to talk to other people that go through the program. That's awesome. And, and for everyone, I'll put the uh, I'll put Wyatt's uh, LinkedIn, a link to his LinkedIn profile in, uh, in, uh, in the show notes so you can find him there. Wyatt, if that's okay with you, does that work? That's perfect. Okay. All right. Thank you again. Thanks again, everyone, for listening to another edition of the Camera Books Podcast. I hope that uh, Wyatt's experience uh, shed some light on the Camera Brooks SkillBridge program. Again, if you have interest in participating in that SkillBridge and just want to know more about Camera Brooks in general, I would encourage you to give us a call. You can reach us here in the office, 210-874-1500, 210-874-1500. You can also email me directly. My email address is my first name, Pete, P-E-T-E, -E, at Cameron-Brooks.com. If that's a little bit forward and you want to take a slow walk into it, of course, you can go to our website, Cameron-Brooks.com. Tons of free information, including transition guides and uh, a running blog post that we publish to every other week. So just a ton of information out there for you 
uh, to learn more about Cameron Brooks, who we are, what we do, and specifically how we help and guide military officers to conducting a broad career search. Stay tuned for the next episode. That that one will drop here in two weeks. My colleague, Joel Junker, does a bit of a mini-sode where he talks about the difference between passion and purpose. One of the things we've heard a lot lately uh, from officers with whom we partner is they're really looking for something that they can get into that they're passionate about. And it's such an interesting concept and an interesting idea. So in the next episode, Joel will tackle the topic of passion versus purpose. So you don't want to miss out on that one. Uh, Again, thanks for tuning in. Until next time, make it a great day.